Regular beats. What stuff? It's a popcorn night. Welcome to Regular Dudes Watch Stuff. I'm your host, a regular dude, Jamie G, Esquire, the fifth, master of the turn. I'm here with Magna Mills and the Soup Deucer to talk about what we've recently watched and discuss a movie that arguably kicked off the poker boom, the 1998 cult classic, Rounders. Guys, tonight I am dealing with a very bad back, crept up out of nowhere, so I decided to open up a vintage 2009 red blend from one of my favorite wineries, and I am enjoying that. Roger that man into uh, you know, paraphrase uh, Ugly Kid Joe, I believe. We're as regular as we want to be. I am Magna Mills, and I just want y'all to know this. Not only did we never get a sequel to Rounders, we never got the spinoff that we all never knew we needed. That's the Worm Brother starring Worm from Rounders and Big Worm from Friday. And yeah, um, I've had a couple of Coors Lights. I'm close enough for Atlantic City to, you know, it counts as breakfast around these parts. Thanks for checking out Regular Dudes Watch Stuff. Find us wherever you get your pods, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, random things I can't remember, all the good ones. Find us on social media at Dudes Watch Stuff. Search for us on YouTube at Regular Dudes Watch Stuff, or you can just go to JoeBlowFootballShow.com. Brings you right to our YouTube channel. Thanks again. If you could, please just do one of, like, comment, follow, rate, subscribe. Just one. If you want to do them all, that's great. But we appreciate it because it helps people find our show. Thank you very much. Soup. Uh, what are you uh, sipping on tonight? What's up, man? I'm not a regular dude. Just sipping on some regular shit, man. My usual peebers, dude. Banging out the blue ribbon, man. And uh, thinking about fucking cards, man. Thinking about cards and chips and uh, and cash and good times. <laughs> Sounds like a weekend in Atlantic City to me. Indeed. Never been to Atlantic City, man. I'm going to confess right away on that one, just in case. Uh, yeah, I mean, they bring your own gun, but it's a good play. time. <laughs> Nice. Need uh need to hit up the Taj, dude. Before we start talking about the stacks of high society, let's talk about what we filled our eye holes with recently. We'll try to avoid spoilers. We'll do our best, but if we're gonna spoil something about a movie or show, we'll give you a heads up first. Mills, tell us about the 80 million shows that you're currently watching. I mean, it, it's probably more like 37, but not necessarily in a row. Uh, on a serious note, uh, watched the season three finale of Party Down. Really enjoyed the entire third season here. Thought it got stronger as it went on. And again, no spoilers, but it ends in a way that I'm thinking they're hoping there's more. From the interviews I've read, the creators, the cast, they all seem to be interested in doing more. So stars, go ahead, do it or let somebody else do it. And, you know, preferably do it now. Uh, Mandalorian over on Disney Plus. Episode five was probably my favorite so far. Again, more Carl Weathers is always just a good way to go. If you're in doubt and you have access to Carl Weathers, just use him more often. There's one episode left in Wu-Tang and American Saga from Hulu. The finale titled Triumph, the lead track off their classic epic album, Wu-Tang Forever. Extremely excited for that one. Been on a great heater, so even if you haven't caught it, it's going to end. Watch it sometime this summer, you'll enjoy it. Uh, seen three episodes of Lucky Hank, that's Bob Kirk's new joint from AMC. It's good. I just don't think it's ever going to kind of reach the heights of what you might hope coming off of Breaking Bad or whatever. Nothing wrong with that. It's kind of like a fun little dark comedy. It probably plays better as a binge, but I've enjoyed it so far. 
Uh, season two of Yellow Jackets was an absolute banger. This is going to be the show that like one of your friends is like, yeah, you got to watch the show. Like, you should watch the show. You should watch the show and you should listen to your friend. Uh, South Park finished up season 26. It was a sixth episode season 26. It is what it is. It was fine. But I think you can tell they've kind of put a lot of their efforts into all the kind of movies and specials they've done over the past few years. So, again, I don't really think there's a bad episode of South Park, but definitely not one that's really rewatchable or anything. Uh Ted Lasso, seen three seasons. I think three was better than two. Uh, they got a new player on the team again. Really light spoiler, but uh, really kind of added something to the episode, like the new character dynamic. That's fun. And I did uh, finally see Avatar, The Way of the Water. Uh, you know, we we talked about this a little bit on the Joe Blow Show. Find us at Joe Blow Show on our YouTube channel. And uh, Jay Scratch mentioned, like, yo, you know, despite kind of we poo-pooed at three and plus, uh, three plus hour runtime, about three hours, 15 minutes, whatever, just an incredibly stunning movie. I wish I would have seen it in a theater, like the biggest screen possible, sound system, 3D, all that. I was definitely entertained. It was great. I was, you know, immersed in the world and then it ended and I haven't really thought about it since. I, there's nothing wrong with that, but I think that's the first Avatar too, right? Everybody saw it. They're like, wow, you should see it. And then nobody cared about it. Like to this day, I don't know one person whose favorite movie is Avatar or like really it, it, it was a great movie. It's just not it's like fine. I watch it. and There's so many characters and everything. I struggle to name who's who. Like it was clear enough. You could follow the plot. I thought the action was good. Visuals were awesome. But, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. I watch anything James Cameron. I just man, they're going to make like three more of these. So uh, we'll see. Uh, Jamie G. Well, uh, what have you moved on to after Rome? Yep. Well, I agree. I want to concur with you 100% on Party Down. I just finished the, the season finale of that, too. Really hoping for a season four. Um, gave me a little bit of promise there, so I thought that was great. Also, I wanted a, kind of a different one, but I just recently finished the um, docuseries about our national parks narrated by President Barack Obama. It was absolutely fantastic. Learned a bunch of stuff about just how it's all connected, man. It really is takes everything on planet earth to make it whole. This was really cool. Got to see some super unique remote parts of the world. And, um, you know, glad that we've got some protections in place with, uh, with our national parks around the country. So, and the, and the world rather. So super cool there. Enjoyed that a lot. Um, also want to give a quick shout out to paradise PD. Um, they put out, I think their, their last latest season, season four, um, dropped a couple months ago, just got around to watching that. It was super good. I really like that they've continued the story kind of throughout the, the the four episodes. It's not like a new, you know, a new or the four seasons. It's not like a new season starts and, you know, you kind of throw throw away everything that's happened in the previous one. So nice continuation there. And uh, I, I think it's underrated, man. More people should watch it. And that about wraps it up for me. Sue? Yeah, rock and roll, man. You know, I... Uh... I haven't really, I haven't filled my eye holes up with a whole bunch of stuff this week, but I did have a I did I did uh, see a pretty cool movie, man, that I was more impressed with than I thought I would be, and uh, it's a uh, I think it's kind of newer. It's a movie called Nope. It's a Jordan Peele joint. It was pretty fucking impressive, man. Very unique, definitely original. Um, it kind of feels like an M Night Shyamalan movie, but uh, you know, it starts out. It kind of moves a little bit slow. You know, it's that kind of style, but it's uh, it's definitely something where you're going to it's it's very interesting and a cool take on whether well, I'm not going to do any spoilers, but a very cool take on the whole, you know, 
aspect of what's it's going on. It's hard to talk about that movie without spoiling it, basically. Yeah. Like, even the premise it? itself is kind of a spoiler. Yeah, it's uh, I've seen all Jordan Peele's movies. Definitely okay. have enjoyed them all. I think it's probably closer to us than Get Out a little bit, but definitely really cool visually, and it, it keeps you engaged, and I, I see why you can make the, the Shyamalan comparison, but I think this is... Well, I think Shyamalan's actually a really good visual filmmaker or whatever. I think the, the story's a little bit tighter here and a little bit deeper, and, uh, you know, can't really, again, go too far into it without uh, spoiling anything. Yeah, but you hard, seen, you know. uh, nope, you should watch it. Yeah, I think it's just out on, on Amazon now, right? Just came out on Amazon, I think. Yeah. Yeah, definitely a good one to check out. I, I was considering pitching that, but I didn't. I just didn't know that we would... I didn't know how that would go with us talking about it like that, but uh, hey, man, maybe further down the road, but that's what I filled my holes with this week, man. Some pretty full holes. <laughs> well, I like it, man. We got a couple of really good things on there, and I'm I'm, I'm, jo- I'm making notes, things that I should watch. You should watch. Let us know if there's anything out there that you have that you've watched recently that you want us to know about. We would check it out. That brings us to our featured review for the episode. Last time, we had a three-way tie, so we had to spin the giant wheel in the sky. And Rounders was the winner. Magna Mills, this was your this was your baby. Why did you pick Rounders? But the cards literally on the table here, no Ooh, pun intended. Nice pun. Uh, I basically made a wheel of my own. There were all movies that were actors from The Big Lebowski, which we talked about on our last episode. And this one won. John Turturro's in here as Kanish. Rounders is just a personal favorite of mine. I know it's not the Godfather or anything like that, but it's a movie that anytime I can't, like, you know, you turn it on, you catch it halfway through or something, I feel compelled to finish it. it. It just, it always moves so well. The poker stuff is really well done, even for people who know the game. That's not always the case when you're doing a sports movie. Maybe it is a little formulaic or whatever, but I've just never had a bad time, you know, watching rounders. And I think even if you don't really know anything about poker, you can definitely enjoy it. So, you know, it's it's right up there. It might be one of my like desert island DVDs. They would call that back in the day. Like you can bring X number of, you know, DVDs to the island with you. It was probably around Lost or something like that, but I don't know if it would be in my top 10, but if you're giving me, you know, 15, 20, you know, one of those, remember the old CD DVD books, give me like one of those, like maybe 28 DVDs. It's probably in there. Nice. Why don't you make like Ashley and keep going? Give us the details and the background for one of your faves rounders. Keep fucking going. Ashley, don't stop. This is Rounders, directed by John Dahl, written by David Levian and Brian Koppelman, produced by Joel Stillerman and Ted Demi. Cinematographer was Yin Yeves Escofier, edited by Scott Chestnut, music by Christopher Young, released September 8th, 1998, had a budget of $12 million, grossed $22.9 million at the U.S. box office on a runtime of 121 minutes, starring Matt Damon. Edward Norton, John Turturro, Bamke Jansen, Gretchen Mole, John Malkovich, and Martin Landau. And the short plot synopsis is, a young reformed gambler must return to playing high-stakes poker to help a friend pay off loan sharks while balancing his relationship with his girlfriend and his commitments to law school. And Jamie G, it is every bit as complicated as it sounds. Yes, it is. And this is going to be a full-on spoiler discussion of Rounders. Anything and everything related to Rounders could come up in our discussion, and it probably will. This is it. This is your warning. And in poker, you put the blinds down before the cards are dealt. So before we talk about Rounders, let's talk about poker. Soup, when did you first play poker, and do you play often? 
I don't know when I first played poker, but um, I have played quite a bit of poker in my time. A few years back, I was on a thing where we were, you know, getting a couple of guys together and playing like, you know, a couple of days a week even. And uh, but the problem with that was that it would run all night man. I'd be like the sun would be coming up and, you know, it's, it's hard to stop playing once you once you're playing. So some of those games run a little long and of course you're drinking and shit. So, it's, you know, I mean, it's hard to keep up with doing that a couple of times a week, man. But uh, I do enjoy playing poker. It's definitely a good time, man. Um, you know, uh, aside from the whole gambling for money part, which, you know, I, I enjoy a nice friendly game, you know, uh, small buy-ins and shit, you know, but uh, playing for big money, it's, you know, it gets a little bit more, more stressful and, you know, it's uh, not really my style. So so I do enjoy a good game with a, a live game, you know, with, uh, with some dudes and shit or whatever, like hanging out, playing fucking cards, drinking and shit. That's fun. Um, I did dabble a little bit on the with the uh, online poker also here and there, but I haven't I haven't played in probably a couple of years. So uh, after watching this movie, I kind of I kind of want to get back into playing every once in a while now, man. Well, soup, I got to tell you, it's not gambling; it's a skill game. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, I started playing poker probably early during my you know either freshman or sophomore year of college i had played a little bit here and there before that but not really you know it's like you can play cards but like are you really playing poker i wasn't started playing then i loved it i absolutely love it um texas hold'em is my favorite although i will play you know all the other variations of poker i am currently in a rounders league um, with a shot at going to the World Series of Poker on the line. So um, I also volunteer and donate to two different nonprofits that raise money for uh, kids by playing poker, Cards for Kids and various other ones. So big fan of poker and playing poker and everything to do with it. Uh, and I got to be honest with you guys, man. This movie, it, even though like I already play online and I'm I'm in this rounders league and I, I play regularly, made me want to play that much more. And we just want to be clear, like we're not cars for kids. Like we don't have that horrible song that like is what you hear if you're stuck in hell. He said cards for kids, not cars for kids. Just want to be very specific on this one because you do not want cars for kids stuck in your head. You do not. Uh, as far as myself, my first real poker memory, like going to stay with my grandparents when I was really young, I don't know, maybe like four or five, six, somewhere in there. And like sneaky downstairs on a Saturday night, my grandpops has like, the poker game in the room in the basement near like the washer and dryer. They're all smoking cigars and everything like that. That's kind of my first real memory. I think I technically probably learned blackjack way before I learned poker. Then played just kind of a lot of random, you know, you're kind of stud, your draw games, like maybe a little uh, Chicago, that kind of thing. But really, I mean, in, in high school, I'd say overall, AC Ducey was probably the one that, that reigned supreme as far as when we were playing for like real cash. The biggest pots I played for in high school were definitely AC Ducey. Uh, you know, kind of in college, played a little bit random games and then online started happening. Played a lot for, uh, you know, about, about a decade again. Like Jamie G, I was in some uh, various leagues where you would play every week in a place or whatever and you get points. And then eventually the winner would get a, you know, an entry to the WSOP. And after that, there'd always be a cash game. There'd be side games, all that kind of thing. So uh, generally played a lot. Usually would play, you know, uh, No Limit Texas Hold'em tournaments. Would play Hold'em limit games uh, in terms of like a cash game. Also would play some, you know, Pot Limit Omaha, some horse, that kind of thing. 
I really enjoyed it. I'm I'm glad that I didn't really get absolutely killed on Black Friday. I even kind of jumped back in Saturday night to just throw a couple of bucks in because I hadn't really played, you know, online in a cash game for a minute. And uh, yeah, dude, it's still a rush, man. I, I really enjoy it. And I would like to uh, play more regularly. We should work on that. Yes, you should. And guys, it's time to place our bets on rounders with our featured review of the episode. We'll begin by giving our overall thoughts on the thing. Uh, talk about this film and then soup. Let's start with you, buddy. What'd you think around us? I thought it was cool. Um, I didn't really remember shit about this movie, man. Cause I'd seen it so long ago and uh, it was nice. It was a nice, it was a nice rewatch after a long period of time. And like I said, it definitely got me back into thinking about cards more often, which is a lot more interesting than people who don't play cards would think it is, you know, uh, there's a lot, there's a lot of shit involved there. Uh, one thing I, I think the casting, the acting was great. I'm sure we'll get into some of these characters and everything uh, further down the road here. But um, one thing I would have liked to have seen a little bit more would maybe have been like uh, almost like a beautiful mind kind of take on the way he saw cards and how people were, you know, how he could read people and shit, you know, maybe something like, you know, kind of like more in his head. Like other than that, um, yeah, a little more complex, you know, something a little more complex than that. But I mean, uh, um, other than that, I mean, then that's not even a huge deal. But uh, but yeah, good fucking movie overall, man. I mean, it runs, I think, uh, two hours and maybe a little bit of change, but it goes by quick enough. You don't you don't lose interest. You know, I mean, like I said, the uh, the characters are are very interesting and, and well played, you know, and uh, there's some action too, man. Definitely some action. Um, it had been a while since I saw Rounders. I mean, I, I, I remember kind of the overall theme. I remember you know, Damon and Norton and, and these guys and, and just kind of some of the characters and stuff. And I remember really liking it, but it, it had been a long time since I watched it. So I enjoyed kind of the rewatch here. I will say, let me get some of the negatives out of the way first. I think they relied way too much on kind of this like voiceover narrative of Matt Damon. It, it made it a little corny at times. Um, and then the other part of this, it just, they really tried to, to like, go all in on like the New Yorker thing with, with Damon. And he just, it's just not, he's just, he's a Boston guy. You can't, he's, he's, he's a damn asshole. You can't expect him to all of a sudden be a, a fucking Brooklyn Bobby. It just doesn't work like that. He's a asshole. Um, I thought that was a little bit kind of at times like, eh, as well, kind of rubbing the wrong way, but definitely way too much of the voiceover narrative. Like just, just too much, man. Um, I thought Edward Norton's character was fantastic. He absolutely crushes here. Um, he can he can do the New York thing. He he was he was really strong in this. And I love the characters. I love the action. I love how the story played out. Um, and overall, the movie's great. But rewatching it didn't hold up the way I thought it would because of a couple of those points. Again, I'm not the uh, you know I'm I'm not going to uh, throw it all against Boston. I I don't really have anything against Boston. It's just they're sports fans. I think technically uh, they're Jersey kids. I think you know they're playing. I think they're Jersey kids playing New Yorkers a little bit. At least that's where I'm pretty sure the school was or whatever. I thought so. It is what it is. And I just remember, man, the first time I saw this was very memorable to the point I, it was actually on VHS, I'm pretty sure. And we watched it and I was just like, man, how long is it going to take to rewind that so we can watch it again? And, you know, as I've said, I think it's infinitely rewatchable. And maybe more importantly, it is kind of like a time capsule for what poker was like before the moneymaker effect, before the big boom there in the early 2000s. And 
again, just great cast. They all kill it. The movie just moves. I love the score. Uh, actually, a couple of my main complaints are probably with the accents a little bit. And even though the movie, like you said, is trying to be New York, it's actually shot mostly in, in, in around Rutgers, I think, in New Jersey. So... To me, I guess maybe having lived in Jersey, PA, and New York, like it has a, a little Jersey feel, so it doesn't bother me as much. But, dude, this is a movie that it's always a good time to watch, and every time I watch it, it makes me more hyped to go play poker. Like, I watch this movie, and I want to go flip. Like, dude, wouldn't you want to flip a coin for 10 bucks right now? What else are you doing? Yeah, for sure, man. No, no doubt about it. Definitely gets the competitive juices going, and you, and you want to just you want to just play game, man. It's It's – uh, and cards are fun, right? Cards of all sports are fun. Poker's the best. And uh, yeah, de- definitely a winner. We open the movie with Mike McDermott losing his three stacks of high society to Teddy KGB. Kind of a classic movie setup here with the main character suffering a major loss right away. What do you guys think about the introduction to Teddy KGB played very memorably by the, le- the great John Malkovich? Malkovich, Malkovich, Malkovich. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, crazy Russian dude, but like, you know, just like the right amount of like weird outfit. Like he doesn't quite feel that dangerous, but then you see all these big guys around him. And, you know, I think you're supposed to get the idea that Mike is ready for this or whatever. And I I think just a proper foil, right? Like a proper fucking villain. You bring him in and you know, like, all right, this is not the last we're going to see of this guy because there's no way hey you know there's a there's no way you're getting john malkovich to do this one scene but b it's, it's just so compelling you're just man i want to see more of him that's pretty much maybe my only complaint with the movie you want more teddy kgb yeah and he's so he's so quirky right with his with this whole his accent he's got like this kind of softish voice but he does it well with the accent but the oreos dude the do not touch with the oreos uh that's an interesting thing man it's just enough kind of weirdness to be like, okay, this is a cool character. And, and I kind of like the whole setup of this, like kind of somewhat dangerous underground game situation here. Right. I mean, this isn't exactly playing in a buddy's basement. I mean, this is, this is definitely gives you the feel of kind of this high stakes uh, kind of underworld of poker. Yeah. Well put, man. I totally agree, man. It's pretty much a pretty much a nail on the head right there. And a little bit of an interesting contrast to what we see at the Chesterfield later, right? Which it feels more like just a regular casino or whatever. This feels more dangerous, like Jamie just said. Definitely more of a feel where you could legitimately lose more than your shirt here. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, no, one spot on. Well, Teddy KGB, pretty sweet nickname. What would the American equivalent be? It got me thinking here, like something like, I don't know, Freddie FBI or something. Anybody got a thought on what the American version of uh, of Teddy KGB would be called? Nowadays, I don't know, like Chad CIA? Uh, I was going to say Chaz CIA, <laughs> just to make That's it a little That's a pretty good one. Um, like if he were older, uh, like uh, Adam AARP? <laughs> so, so check it out. I got... Um, I got Maddie Mafia. Uh, and I also I also kind of like Louis La Familia. I think that might be a good one too. Sounds like a rapper, but I mean a rapper or a pizza shop. Because I, I kind of went with this because the KGB really isn't, you know, it's it's basically the red mafia, right? So it's like a criminal organization. So I I, I went back to our our criminal organization in this country, which is the uh the mafia, well at least one of them. And so that's where I was that's where I was leaning towards. I had one more on the list here, and that was Nikki New York. 
Oh, I like that. I had I had one that was in a well, actually two that were in a similar vein. I had a uh, Dale Disney and uh, Freddie Mickey D's. Nice. <laughs> and then I had a couple. I was stuck on the D's for a minute, so I had a uh, Danny Dod, Dominic Dot, and Dougie DMV. D's nuts. We're also introduced to Joey Kanish, played by John Turturro early in this film. Shout out John Turturro, who was just in The Big Lebowski. Right here, we broke that down on Regular Dudes Watch Stuff. But we're talking Joey Kanish. Throughout the movie, most of the poker community seems to look down on Kanish for being a grinder. What do you guys think, man? Is is Kanish too scared to shoot a shot, take the big game, take the chance? Or is he the smart one here who's smart enough not to, to know, not? to risk it all i mean he drama queens it a little bit like when they in the ac scene i was actually gonna try and make some uh real money tonight but in honor of mike's alley like return to the ring i'll sit with you all for a while he's that dude like he's always gonna come next time like oh next time next time but on the other hand in my head i just think of him as a dude like probably when he was young he shot his shot and he missed and so he said all right never again and so he came up with this way that he can still stay in this world and be around kind of what he wants to do, but never put himself in that position again. And, and I respect that. So maybe he didn't, but my guess is at some point he did shoot that shot. He just did it real young and, you know, losing your bankrolls, you know, it can mess with you, man. And, uh, you know, you have to, it takes a certain resiliency to especially lose it more than once. Yeah, it's pretty spot on, dude. I, I like that. Uh, I like that analysis there, man. I think, uh, I think I would be more on the careful side as well, if you want to call it the careful side. Um, but then again, if you never take risks, you know, then it's hard to win big, but maybe he doesn't care about winning big. Maybe he just wants to stay where he's at. And, you know, you're right up you're Yeah. Shit, man. You're right up. Yeah, I mean, he's got alimony. He's got, you know, his kids, he's got a rent. I mean, you would hope like he was past, like, I wish he was past rent. I would have felt a little better if he said I got mortgage. Like he's got rent. Like, come on, can I should do a little better than that? Like grind harder. <laughs> Well, guys, we also get to meet Mike's girlfriend, Joe, played by Gretchen Mole. Early on here in the movie, the actress is great, but the character's kind of a kind of a wet blanket. Am I right? I mean, she's pretty much a downer. And I definitely think that's by design, but it doesn't do her any favors here from a viewership standpoint. Thoughts on Joe? Is she kind of like the Carmela Soprano or the Skylar White of rounders, if you will? She's just kind of like a eh, just just a just a waiter on the neck, right? Yeah, totally. You'd have to call her role thankless, basically, because she's great in it. But her whole purpose is to keep Mike from playing poker. And all we want to see is Mike play poker. Yeah. You know, again, I don't want to spoil anything for Breaking Bad or The Sopranos, but the idea that theoretically, like these, you know, people who are trying to help somebody are kind of holding them back. Maybe they're helping them as people, but they're hurting them from the point of like, yeah, it's more fun to watch people do bad shit generally. Not that poker is bad, but, you know, it's like the Will of Ford bad. Yeah, you know, and you can't really keep people from doing what they do, you know, that's what, that's what somebody does, that's what they're going to do, man, you know, I mean, sometimes for the good of the colony or something, you got to make adjustments or whatever, but it's hard to take something that is somebody's, like, main thing completely away from them. Yeah, yeah especially when they're that good at it. Exactly. It's not even just an obsession, it's actual talent. Skill. Look what Skill happened to, the what happened to uh, fucking Tom Brady over there, man. He wanted to keep playing ball and his fucking butt chin or whatever her name is fucking ditched him, dude. When she, She's worth like at least $500 million, so she can kind of do what she wants, I think. Now, before we go to jail in New Jersey, let's talk about Mike's choice for his future vocation. 
Did you guys buy the idea that Mike McDermott wanted to be a lawyer? And if not, what other profession do you think he would have been really good at? I mean, day trader jumps off the top of my head. I mean, it's a skim, it's a, a similar skill set there. Anybody's going to be all the numbers, uh, DFS, casino operator. Imagine him as like, you know, De Niro and Casino, Major League Baseball GM. Th- that seemed there. But ultimately, I think maybe you get there too. He's kind of like a professional, like a, like a headhunter or something like that. Because he knew people. You know, he was that rare person who could talk to the numbers guys and the, the regular people. You didn't need an in-between. I could see him slinging stocks and shit. Like stock trade and whatnot. I think that'd be a that'd be a good spot for him. Guys, I had him as as the old uh the old private dick. I had him as a private investigator, kind of taking on spot stuff that he can he can use his skill set to kind of read people and drift in between the, the regular world and the underworld, lean on it when he needs to. I think he could be a really good uh private dick. Or writer on the Sopranos. Next, we get to meet Worm in prison as he's just about to get released and it quickly becomes obvious what kind of guy he is i mean right away right he's sitting there and he's hustling these dudes for some smokes he doesn't even smoke cigarettes uh give me your thoughts on edward norton playing worm and tell me if you've ever known somebody like worm i've known way too many worms that's what she said like that archetype is just a complete bullshitter who's always just going to do whatever is best for him no matter what he sells you, but he's really good at selling it. Like, yeah, I've, I've known multiple versions of that person. That's for fucking sure. But Norton's great in it. Don't get me wrong. He's perfect. He's legitimately perfectly cast here. This utilizes his like kind of nervous manic energy in, but like that kind of smart ass, like, you know, whip smart, in a, like chef's kiss. I mean, I, uh, it's hard to picture anybody else playing this role. Yeah, I agree. I think Edward Norton completely steals the show here with his with his role of, as Worm. He's fantastic, um, and you know, yes, I think I think most people who have lived have known a Worm out there. There's a bunch of them out there in the world, and uh, they'll cross your path. They'll cross your path. You got to be careful not to uh, not to get too heavy, like we saw Mike get with him. But but yeah, Edward Norton was like, man, he was he was the tits on this. Yeah, just yeah, like the uh, banana, you don't want to fall for the worm in the tailpipe either. And I mean, if I had one complaint, it would just be that he is exactly who he appears to be from the first scene. There's really no other layers or anything like that. It's like you get what you see. There, There's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, it might have been interesting to see another layer or two of worm. <laughs> That's yeah. yeah, it's not that complex, but I bet you it is. It, yeah, I bet you it could have been. But um, I would have gone with that's what she said. But yeah, <laughs> Not on top of it, I guess. Um, That's what she said. There you go. Fucking, uh, I've definitely known people with similarities like that, man, you know. And the thing is, like, man, you know this motherfucker is going to end up getting you in trouble sometime at some point, man. But he's still your friend. So what are you going to do, you know? But, yeah, I mean, you got to be careful with people like that, man, you know. Definitely do. And, guys, before we dive into the poker scenes, let's round out the rest of the cast. Hope you noticed what I did there. We get a few scenes with Petra played by Famke Jansen. She's not given a ton to do, but she seems to steal the scenes that she's in. I enjoyed her. I wish they would have, you know, used her a, a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, we don't get the backstory, really. You get the idea pretty quickly that her and Mike had a little bit of a past. And she is probably the one who's the worst case of her accent just being all over the goddamn place. But I, I have a soft spot in my heart for her when she was uh, Xenia on a top. 
in the GoldenEye movie. So in my head, GoldenEye takes place after this. And the whole thing is like Mike shuts her down after the events of this movie. She's like, fuck it. She goes back and she just embraces her roots as like a crazy Russian, you know, agent assassin chick. So this is the same character that we see in GoldenEye later. Also would have been nice to hear play poker. We've guys, we've also got Teddy KGB's right hand man. Well, I should say new right hand man, the literal pimp grandma, who's played by Michael Raspoli. What do we think about the character and why do you think people call him grandma? Kind of a crazy nickname. Just shout out Michael Raspoli. You might he had one of the most thankless parts on the Sopranos because he was Jackie April. I can't really say more without spoiling it, but uh if you reckon and again, great character actor. In a ton of stuff, really love him. Uh, really, wardrobe here is just a plus. But the, the one part where he like abuses the dog and they cut away and you just hear it to this day, that's I always still like look away, even though I know you don't see it. That's how you reinforce a the fact that a character is a terrible person by having them abuse, you know, child, dog, woman, etc. Yeah, yeah, agreed, man. I mean, he played a great role, but uh, why the fuck is he called grandma, man? I have ideas, but I don't know if there any of them are correct. Anyone else have one? I mean, there's the obvious, there's the low hanging fruit here, but I want to go a little bit deeper. And, um, you know, but I don't know if, you know, my thought was maybe because he, he's kind of like the, like the pimp, like the, like the madame, right. Maybe they just were like, you know, call them grandma. It it doesn't, it really doesn't track, but that's kind of, I'm looking for something a little bit deeper and that's, that's the best I could get. Now, speaking of deeper, dude, I think it's probably, well, maybe one theory. He banged a grandma. <laughs> that was on my list. That was on my list is maybe he banged somebody's well, that grandma. That was my low-hanging fruit. You know, that's a low-hanging fruit. I just, I wanted to go a little deeper, but, but yeah, I mean, it could be. It could I mean, be. what if it was just as simple as like, remember the Converse ads back in the day with Larry, Grandma Ma Johnson? Maybe he was just like into that. He went as Grandma Johnson to a, a Halloween costume and he was just forever labeled Grandma. I mean, maybe he like punched somebody and they're like, you hit like my grandma. So that just stuck. Or maybe he's just really into baking. Yeah, shit, man. I guess it could be any of the above there, man, or something else. Maybe it's way more complex than that. Yeah, we probably don't want to know, given it does not seem like the greatest, you know, pretty, pretty garbage human, but excellent uh, character in the the flick. True. Let's finish off by talking about Professor Petrovsky, Mike's law school teacher, played by Martin Landau. The nicest professor in the history of any university, right? Or, or, or is this guy just a pure sucker? I mean, who lends a student $10,000 in the middle of the night? And also, where do you cash a personal check for ten k in the middle of the night? I, I don't know. It must be some underground stuff. Thoughts on Professor, professor Petrosky here? Other than that, it's a, it's a mouthful to say. Say that five times fast. Professor Petrovsky, 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 Professor Petrovsky. I did the reset button. Sorry about that. I skipped. He was short circuiting. I was skipping. Oh, dude, shout up Professor Petrovsky. 10K to give. Drinks Barton's gin. At that point, in when this movie was shot, that was less than $10 for a liter of. Barton's gin. It is uh, Barton's. Char- charcoal filtered. It's bottom shelf. Oh yeah, it is. It no, it's basement shelf. But it's 
it's you know under the jail kind of like under the well i'm not sure which way you would but uh i, I mean i think that it, despite all that he strikes me maybe they were saying he's a dude who is you know done well enough to be a, a law professor that kind of thing so he's got some cash but he's been fairly frugal so he sees that he can take a chance on mike you know, he kind of talks about the whole thing about him being a rabbi or whatever. So I think he just really kind of empathizes with Mike and he feels like, all right, I, I believe in this guy. Even if I don't get my money back, maybe I ultimately do a solid for him. Maybe I will get my money back. Or even if I don't, it's not going to significantly change my life in any way. And well, the other thing too is right. That, that scene early on when, when Mike's still not playing poker, he made promises. He made promises. He's not playing poker. Um, but he goes in, and he stumbles on the judges, right? And 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 they're all playing. And he, he basically he basically blows their mind by picking out everyone's hand. And I think at that moment, you know, that this professor liked Mike. At that moment, this professor loved Mike and wanted to help him. It was a special student. And I think I think he believed that he would, you know, he, he would be able to take 10 and turn it into 15. And I think he believed in that. But I gotta say. That was another kind of thing that I was a little bit down on. Not 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 necessarily down, but it kind of speaks to the time frame. I mean, they're acting like fifteen thousand dollars in this movie might as well be. They're treating it like it's fifteen million. I mean, Jesus. I mean, you're. I mean, come on, fifteen grand isn't like the hardest thing in the world to, to come up with, right? I mean, it's not that much money. I mean, Jesus. But they're treating it like it's freaking. You know, you gotta you gotta move mountains here to to get it. I mean, it might as well have been fifteen million. You know. That, that was one one thing where I was like I was laughing about because it's like yeah I guess I guess times have changed fifteen grand really isn't much anymore depends on where you start man it is for me <laughs> like it's it definitely depends on what kind of bankroll you are starting with and what your you know ability to kind of you know access the abilities to make money is because generally money is one of those things the more money you have the easier it is to make more money that's kind of how it works like you have to kind of bust that down but you're i mean 10k again for a, a college professor who even at this point should have probably been making 60 80 grand a year looks fairly comfortable again shouldn't break you at that point uh you know dude probably in his i would say at a law school in new york city he's, ma he's making more than 60 80 grand a year i would say he's probably making. i'm being conservative and he's probably 70 years you know i'm just uh but again you you brought up that that scene where he reads all the hands and this is one of the parts if I, I really, I looked for my Rounders DVD. I couldn't find it. I also couldn't find my copy of Super System. Both are here somewhere in a Mike Carroll book. But you actually have on that DVD a commentary where it's like Johnny Chan, Phil Hellmuth, and I can't remember the other two players. Maybe one's Daniel Negreanu. Don't quote me on that. But they, they talk about the, you know, they just do a DVD commentary. And they talk about this scene. And they kind of came to the agreement that, like, it was pretty within the realm of possibility that Mike could put all these players on a pretty narrow range of hand but not really quite feasible that he could cold read exactly what they had i i mean what do y'all think did they lay it on a little bit too thick or was you know this about right to make you believe that mike mcdermott is really this good see again this is where i would kind of like to see some kind of uh depiction of like some uh aspects from his brain you know like in Limitless or uh, Hangover, they do that when a dude's like counting cards or whatever, and you see right, all yeah, something, yeah, yeah. something more like that. But um, they didn't have the budget for that, especially back then. So nowadays, they probably would have. Would be my guess. Yeah, yeah, possibly. But I mean, impressive, yeah, believable. I don't know. I don't know. I'm a little bit. I think at times they they made it a little bit 
a little bit unbelievable. And again, it, maybe it's just Matt Damon, but he was kind of a little douchey with it. But I think they laid it on extra thick. It would have been nice to kind of have him like show like the the years, you know, even even if it was just a quick something to show like how much work he's put in to get to that point, because it just it just kind of makes it seem like eh, like what, what's he got like a like a like a superpower? Like I mean. I, I, you know, I know people that have played poker for 50 years and are really good and they can't do that. I mean, it just, you can narrow it down. Like you can narrow it down based on what you think people have or what more importantly, what you think they're chasing, but it's hard. Like that's, you know. Yeah. Like the dude missing his threes or whatever. That's so, or knowing that someone else mucked a three. Like, I don't know why they would muck a card up. So I don't know how he would know that. We get a variety of random poker scenes and games throughout the movie. You've got college kids, the Greeks, the cigar club, the country club, golf pros, the suburban dentists. And I don't know, there's probably a few others I'm forgetting about. Uh, oh, uh, up there in uh, Rochester, right? Or, or Binghamton, I'm sorry. Uh, did anybody have a favorite amongst these card games that we that we briefly see? They're quick scenes, but any, anything stand out for you guys? Just the frustration Worm had when Mike, like, uh, kicks a pot to the Country Club Golf Pro. Take it down. <laughs> I got shit. Look at this. I bluffed the big ringer. Come on, yeah, you're a fucking master <laughs> oh. test, man. Let's go. Come on. Hey, get up, get up. We're done. Come said, on. Anytime, anyplace, anywhere. Oh, by the yeah, way, yeah, yeah. anybody. Thanks a lot. Buy some real jewelry, you fucking cheap bastard. <laughs> he gloats over it so hard in... Mike, you can just tell, is burned out at that point, and Worm is just so frustrated. He just wants to sit in and do his thing, and that's probably my favorite overall, but I definitely enjoyed the one, I don't know if you, they would call it the Greeks or the Deli or whatever it is. I only got a pair. Jax? What did you think he had? Does he look like a man beaten by Jax? Jacks are a monster compared to the crap you play, Tacky. Ah, uh, fuck that, you. That definitely fuck stuck out with me. You know, definitely the most fun is probably the initial scene where they, they beat the college kids and they're, you know, we can do whatever the fuck we want. And it just, you know, all the good, the most fun, maybe. That's probably the most fun scene in the entire movie, honestly. Soup, anything for you? You know, I don't know that I can pinpoint a favorite, but I did like the I did like the variety of, uh, you know, switch of scenery, different games and whatnot, man. It made it, it, made it a little bit more... Uh, uh, more, I don't know if it's realistic or something. It gets a little bit more of a personal feel, you know. I mean, Jamie G was looking for the montage before, right? That was the montage. Yeah, that was the a, montage. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, like I said, I don't know that I'm going to pinpoint one, but... See, they proved they could do a montage. They should have did a montage about... The cigar, him. I like the chick smoking the cigar, too. I don't know why. I just remember that. And her, like, great eye acting when she loses the hand and just, like, the way I don't... Something with that one. I like the Cigar Club one, too. That was cool. Some of these were a lot of fun, but there could have been more. Am I right? Let's each give a random setting where we'd like to have seen Mike play poker. I don't know. How about, like, you know, getting into the carny game on Long Island or something? Little hands. You got to be careful. A lot of cabbage smell. What would they play at the They probably play Raz or some bullshit at the carny game, right? Um, how about the Undertaker game, dude? What do they play at the Undertaker game? Hmm. That'd be a fun one. Well, you know, you never really did see him play with like I'd like to see him play like uh like a fucking uh Australian or a English rugby team or something, you know? Yeah, it's New York. What if they got like famous people like they play some Knicks? Like we I think Ocean Eleven kind of had a scene like that where they play like some famous people or something. That would be cool. Yeah. I, I would have liked to 
I would have liked to see like them get into like like some super like super yuppies like you know like the the, the super yuppies of of the nineties of uh, late nineties of of New York City the, the the ultra high net worth like up in Connecticut or something and they're playing like a like a little neighborhood game you know and they've got like their 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 sweaters like tied around the top you know just super yuppies here and they go in there and they just clean up uh, that that would have been a lot of fun too. I would have liked to tie like two things together there. Say they during a game where like Mike takes a big pot off Derek Jeter or you know someone of like the Yankees even get Bernie Williams something I don't know get yourself a Yankee then and then they go to the next scene and they're taking a pot off of somebody like in the school faculty lounge they're playing on like the teachers on lunch break just to illustrate that like they're grinding so hard to make this money they're one minute they're against Derek Jeter the next minute they're legitimately just trying to get twenty bucks off your French teacher that's a grind. That is grinding. Grinding! Mills, this one is probably more relevant to, to you than Soup and I. What did you think of the Atlantic City scenes? Did they really nail the aesthetic of AC in the those late 90s, that, that, that perfect 1998 era? I would say, other than there not being enough smoke in the room, pretty close, man. Pre-Borgata, Atlantic City casinos... I would just say they would be the, the Red Roof Inn or the Holiday Inn, basically a motel of casinos compared to Vegas. Post-Borgata, there are a couple of good casinos there, but still all of the in-between stuff, not the greatest, just kind of Uber cab you know, between the couple there. But yeah, I, I think they really nailed it. Maybe the only thing is back then, I don't remember their poker rooms being nearly as big as they grew to be kind of after the moneymaker effect of the poker boom. In Atlantic City was grimy as shit. I remember being in the hospital there, going out and you're walking through the parking garage and there are signs very visibly posted in the parking garage of the Atlantic City Hospital. I mean, attached to the hospital that say you are walking to your car at your own risk. Never seen that in another hospital parking garage. No, you, you certainly don't. Uh, hopefully you never will. Towards the end of the film, Mike is on pace to make enough money at the State Troopers game to pay off Grandma. Then Worm shows up and he blows it. This is probably the most consequential game that's not at Teddy KGB's place. What do you guys think about this one? I mean, from the moment they pull up and sleep, see the police cars to the point where Mike and Worm part ways for good, thoughts on this? I mean, did, did you guys think... Is that the last time Mike and Worm were going to be seen together in this movie? I, you know, did, did you think it the first time you saw this? Yeah, I thought they were done. So, I mean, municipal employees, I guess the bigger question is, do you think Worm knew when he said municipal employees? Do you think it was just because he to me, he seemed genuinely surprised, like he didn't think it would be cops. But my guess is he didn't think it would be, you know, uh, the secretary at the DMV or something either. I think he probably knew and he probably didn't care. I mean, I think he just, he just kind of was like, Hey, whatever it takes here. And, you know, he had the relationship from, uh, from when he was on the inside, you know, playing with the, with the correction officers, the COs and stuff. So what do y'all think did worm intentionally has to go to the bowling alley so he could maybe weasel his way back into the game because he knew something or was this just legitimate? Like Mike just drew a very cold card here. I think Worm was tired and fed up of not playing, wanted to play, was going to find his way back in. Just That's just me. The guy can talk himself into finding a game. I mean, come on. In the late 90s, a bowling alley would have been a good place to theoretically find somebody who might have access to this game. 
and he was specifically you know asked to be dropped off at the bowling alley so i've always kind of believed that in my you know headcanon or what have you soup any thoughts on maybe that? he was just going bowling Well, he was planning on going in, remember? And then, and then, uh, and Mike was like, fine, if you want to go in and play it straight, then I'll disappear for eight hours and pick you back up. Like, you know, so he was, he wanted to go in the whole time. And I think he finally, he just found a way to kind of worm his way back in there. See what I did there? Yeah, I know. That's, why it was it was <laughs> That's what she says. And uh, uh, shout out uh, David Zayas plays Batista in Dexter. He's uh, one of the uh, troopers here. And in fact, I think a couple of these actors are actually people who came on to, uh, you know, be frequenting other things that you've seen. And I love you shit on Matt Damon a little bit. And again, not his greatest role, probably from an acting standpoint, he's fine, but not spectacular, but the, just the subtle twitch on his face when he's looking down, but he hears worms voice. And he's just like, just the subtle way he does it. I, I think is maybe one of the best moments of the flick for him. And, and let's be honest, after all this, Aren't y'all kind of surprised that the cops didn't tune him up a little bit worse? This was thousands of dollars, man. Like Trooper, they had complete control here. I'm really shocked that you know Mike's even as uh, functional as he is the next day. Yeah, yeah true. They really fucked him up, man. Um, like hospital yeah, shit, fucking, hospital shit. I would yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're lucky. That's all it was. And that brings us to the climax. Mike manages to cash Petrovsky's check and he goes back to Teddy KGB's place, place where it all started. After initially winning enough to pay grandma back, he lets it ride and eventually wins enough to end right back up where he started at the beginning of the movie. Given what we'd seen up to this point, did you guys believe that Mike would keep going after he, after he had enough to pay grandma back? Or did you think he would be smart and, and walk away? Can't win when you don't put it into the table. Yeah, and I think I think the quote is actually in, a, in, in the narration right there or whatever um, at that point in the movie. But uh, I told Worm, you can't lose what you don't put in the middle. Deal. But you can't win much either. I think for the sake of it being a movie, I was I already knew that he was going to go back to that table. You know, um, had it been real life or something, maybe not. Yeah. But he also feels that he can sit there. He sat with Johnny Chan and won. If he's good enough to sit with Chan, if he can't beat Teddy KGB, then his whole shit's a pipe dream, right? If he, how yeah. is he going to be professionals if he can't beat this guy? So you have to start from somewhere. I don't know. I love this whole part of it where uh, Teddy KGB kind of goads him. Fine. It's a, it's a fucking joke anyway. After all, I am paying you with your money. I am still up uh, 20 grand from this last time I stick it in you. And just John Malkovich doing the little, like, you know, the, the humping action is just absolutely phenomenal. And this is another one from the, the DVD commentary. The writers actually said that they're huge Back to the Future fans. So this was kind of their version of Biff Tannen always telling Marty, what are you, chicken? So that's his, like, that's exactly what Teddy KGB is doing there. Like, what are you doing, chicken, dude? I'm paying you with your own money and you know malkovich is hamming it up he's chewing scenery a little bit but i i would argue that this is the uh the best version of chewing scenery yeah right on man <laughs> chewing the shit out of the scenery dude 
anybody else have anything on uh you know teddy kgb i talked about the little uh the, the stick it in you and the accent and everything and again it, it's an over-the-top accent but at least it's consistent uh anybody kind of have any other thoughts on this you know the the big confrontation so to speak uh yeah you know i mean he's he's got a lot of quirks dude he's a quirky dude man like the whole shit with like he listens to the oreo when he opens it and shit like why are you listening to that but i'm sure he's got his reasons i like his little weird fucking like i said his, his mannerisms and whatnot man i mean and just the way he delivers like anything he says it's almost like you shouldn't be like worried about this guy but you definitely know that you can't fuck with him you know i don't know he just has that kind of weird vibe but he plays it really really well I, I like the fact that you saw him a little rattled here too, which was kind of cool. You see him kind of like, kind of like smash his, his Oreos and throw them and There's stuff. And you, you, you know, you kind of see him get a little, get a little rattled, which we didn't really see the first time we watched him play. So that was, so that was pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, John Malkovich is great. I really like the character. Well, you kind of brought that up the throwing of the Oreos and that, you know, that's one of his defining traits and it may or may not be tied into what you think Teddy KGB's tell is. Because right before that, you know, Matt Damon says, The rule is this. You spot a man's tell. You don't say a fucking word. I finally spotted KGB's. And usually I'd have let him go on chewing those Oreos till he was dead broke. But I don't have that kind of time. So what do y'all think the actual tell that he picked up on Teddy KGB was? Well, here's what I think. When he opens it, if the frosting goes all the way to the left he he folds if it goes all the way to the right he continues to play so you think he's listening to the cookie that's interesting okay too i think it's i think it's based on the uh based on the based on the frosting all right now i think he definitely listens to the cookie when he opens it but i don't know that'd be like flipping a fucking coin what if he's sitting on a flush or something you think he's gonna fold just because of the fucking creams on the left well, he's only he's only using it he's only using it when it's when he's uncertain. Uh, okay, all right, I can, yeah, I see that. Well, technically, uh, he's using it when the other player is making the. We never see him eat the Oreo when the, it's on him. He's waiting on the other player. When he I know it has Oreo. something to do with the fucking cookies. I do know that, but or maybe not. I think I'm pretty sure, as far as what I can tell, it has something to do with the cookies, and it might have been the way he was eating it. I don't know. Then that last one, said. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, seriously, y'all are both pretty close. The most accepted answer is that he cracks the Oreo, and if he's got the goods, more or less, he eats it. It's kind of a subconscious reward to himself. If he doesn't, he just puts it down, or he just licks it. And again, that's where you get into it. There are theories on the side of the frosting, the licking of the frosting, whether he cracks it in front of his face or to the ear. It's not 100% certain, but he does pick up on it because when he figures out, when Mike lays it down, like, why did you lay that down? That's a fucking monster. And then he throws the Oreos away because he realizes the tell, and that's Mike's whole point of saying, well, I picked up on your tell. Like Jamie G said to bring it back around, it rattled him, and that was the key. And he even says a guy like Teddy KGB is not immune to getting rattled. And that's really what he went out there. He probably... Yeah, I wouldn't say really punted an advantage there. It was certainly a strategy move. In while we're on that, you do see here at the end he throws it down because he flopped the nuts straight. That's what Mike had. 
it was the best case scenario. He had the eight of spades, nine of spades. That was the best possible hand you could have had post-flop. And the hand is basically the same one you see in that Johnny Chan hand uh, versus uh, who was Eric Seidel, where he, Johnny Chan, flops the nut straight. Let's, you know, just slow plays it. Let Seidel play into him. And if I remember right, when you I watched the DVD and the poker commentary, I, all the guys basically, they thought Teddy had aces. But if you actually look when he mucks his cards, you can see he had tens. So, you know, for what it's worth. And, uh, oh, one more thing, you know, uh, Johnny Chan, originally he was supposed to be Phil Helmuth. And they both wound up on the, the commentary for the DVD. So I thought that was cool. Nice. Johnny Chan, man. Toby Wong. Mike pays everybody back and he heads off to Vegas with his three stacks of high society. Despite many rumors of a sequel over the years, unfortunately, we never got one. Would you guys like to see a sequel to Rounders? And do you have any ideas of, of what it should be about? I'd be fine with a sequel on this, man. Um, whether it be, you know, a continuation of this story and where and where these characters are now, or maybe some of the characters and maybe a different kind of a lead character and his story. And then with, uh, you know, Damon's character as like a cameo or something might be kind of cool. Or like an advice guy or something like I could see maybe something like that happening, but uh, yeah, I'd be I'd be I'd be behind that man. I, I'd dig it. I would be down for one. I had a whole complex thing with like the online poker cheating scandal and everything, but I mentioned before maybe Mike McDermott could be a GM for a professional franchise or something. So I'll just take it a step further. Like Mike's killed it. Uh, like Soup mentioned, he went into the stock market, everything made a ton of money and now he's considering trying to buy into a sports franchise but he doesn't know you know what he's getting into so he goes back to worm because he wants worm to dig into these dudes find out the dirt both on the franchise he's buying and the uh, competitors for the bid or something and then of course it winds up where he needs more money and you know there's a big poker game at the end or something i'd like to see a continuation of this story where mike goes to vegas maybe hits big Things are going well, competing in the World Series of Poker. Maybe he wins it, maybe he doesn't, but he's he's doing well. And then Worm shows up, right? And it's and not to to kind of do the same type of story where he's in deep and they got to do something, but maybe to make things right. Uh, and and he's learned to to play straight or something. I mean, I, I'd like to see kind of those two characters kind of come back and and figure out a way to uh to, to get some sort of happy ending here i think would be cool yeah like a like a 25 years later they run into each other again for whatever reason kind of thing or something yeah, yeah. it could be yeah what if they had to team up for something totally different like playing uh i don't know online video games finger cups. or something yeah online finger cuffs i don't know how <laughs> online finger cuffs would work but it's not really my job someone else the programmers figured that out but guys i think that does it for rounders anything else that we haven't covered uh, not too much here. I just do want to mention in conjunction with this movie, both uh, Matt Damon and Edward Norton actually played in the 1998 World Series of Poker, $10,000 buy-in. They both got knocked out by Doyle Brunson. And we see in the opening scene that Mike hit a stack of high society in Doyle Brunson's book, Super System. I have bought and read both Super System 1 and 2, maybe a little bit dry at this point, but still enjoyed them and can teach a lot about poker. They play a lot of different poker games and card games throughout the movie. Uh, they played No Limit Hold'em with Teddy KGB at the end of the beginning. The judges game is a seven-card stud game. College dudes are playing stud variants, most notably Chicago. Uh, at the Chesterfield, they're basically playing horse, which is a forced rotation of Hold'em, Omaha, Raz, and stud. Uh, Warren plays seven-card stud later at the Chesterfield. 
at the Taj Mahal. They're playing a cash game. It's limit hold'em. Union Station game is a draw or stud game. Mike plays also draw or stud uh, with the Greeks. At the Cigar Club mentioned before, that's seven card stud high and low. And the Golf Pro game is a pot limit Omaha stud game. And finally, the big state trooper game there is a seven-card stud game. And seven-card stud isn't super popular, but it's a very good time. Yeah, dude, what, what are your, aside from random variations of poker, man, what, what else do you guys like to play, man? You know, I would like to see, I like uh, blackjack is cool, but I would also like to see more asshole. Nobody plays asshole anymore. What happened to that game, dude? I am a fan of asshole. Like, you asshole have to give a certain game. number of people. You Let's have make to make a movie about six, asshole. Four dude. to six people. <laughs> Presidents and assholes is like, yeah. there's a lot of strategy. Yeah. There's a lot yeah. of strategy. There really Depending is. And the house rules, man. House rules vary from house place to house. Place, town to town. The house rules can kill you. We used to have the house rule in AC Deucey. If it was a face card to Deuce, if you hit a seven, you owed the pot. We, there was a seven rule that used to screw people. It'd be amazing how many times a random seven would come up at the worst possible time. Yeah, and shout out to Spades, too. Um, yeah, Spades is a good one. Yeah, yeah Spades is a good one. one. I, I, I'm, actually, I'm a good big fan Spades. of just seven-card Rummy. Uh, big fan yeah, of Rummy, too. Rummy's yeah, Rummy's a good one. one. A lot of fun to watch play Rummy. Yeah, absolutely. All right. It, it sounded like y'all enjoyed this, but I want to put it on the paper. I obviously think that rounders is sponge worthy how about y'all is, is elaine bennis giving a sponge to rounders soup i you know i thought about this for a minute and i was like i for i questioned it for a second which would generally lead me to be like maybe not sponge worthy but close to it but i you know after i thought about it again sponge worthy gabby g sponge i'm giving it the sponge here sponge worthy for me as well 16 candles down the drain that's actually a sponge that's molly by sponge from yes, i believe yes, 1996 so uh, <laughs> there you go and we gotta get our professor petrovsky on everyone get your barton's gin at you know what don't drink barton's gin instead let's give a grade to rounders on a scale of one to ten stacks of high society how many are you giving the rounders was my joint i'll go first here i'm giving a straight up nine stacks of high society to rounders I really enjoyed this one. There are a couple flaws with it, but I this is a movie again. Anytime it's on, I feel compelled to re-watch it. Very much enjoy it. Jamie G, how many stacks of high society are you giving to Rounders? I'm giving it seven and a half stacks of high society. Love the movie. Super fun to watch. I will always re-watch it. Um, but yeah, seven and a half stacks, I think, is I think is where it needs to be for me. Soupy doo. Rock and roll, man. Well, you know what, man? I'm giving this thing eight and a half stacks. You know, I like the rewatchability of it. Um, I do like uh, a lot. I mean, I like most. I don't have any fucking real issues with this movie, honestly, man. Um, this, it, you know, is is it's a good one, man. So yeah, eight and a half stacks, dude. Whenever she says it's a good one, you don't ask questions. You just smile and nod your head. That's a nice way of saying it's a good one. <laughs> it's a good size. Finally, guys, it's time for one of my favorite things, and that's where we decide what we're going to watch next time. We're trying to get to a movie. You better get going. You don't want to miss one second of that movie. Is it that good? <laughs> it's the best goddamn movie I've ever seen in my life. Oh. Dude hangs dumb. I, oh. I told you. I don't want to miss that. We're all going to pitch something and then vote on the winner. You can't vote for yourself. So in the event of a tie, we spin the wheel up in the sky. Soup, you're up first here, followed by Mills. And then the master, the Jamie G, the Esquire, the fifth, will go last and pitch what obviously will be the winner. 
Oh, I'm going first. Going first tonight. Going first tonight. Damn it. All right. Well, stretch yourself before you wreck yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So I'm gonna go a little bit off uh off the normal shit here, man, and go with something, uh go with something that we none of us have probably seen in a good amount of time, but I know we've all seen before. A masterpiece of a movie and album. I'm gonna bring back Pink Floyd's The Wall, dude. I think we need to analyze that motherfucker because as much as right now when you're thinking, I don't know if we can really talk about that, there's a fucking ton of shit to talk about in that movie. I think it's worthy of a rewatch, and I think it's worthy of a fucking discussion, too. Man, soup the goes wall. with the wall. I mean, does does the dude shave his nipple off of the wall? I, I don't. Quite he does, and it's that, very uh, hard that, to watch. That's a, that's a that's a thing that happens in the wall. Uh, you know what? We do a thing, like we're or at least we're going to do a thing. It's the first time we're getting to it, but every seventh episode, we're going to have a repitch. So this is the last one before our first repitch. And I haven't pitched an Arnold movie yet, so I feel that I just need to pitch an Arnold movie because why not, dude? Like it, it I need to have one in the repitch. It needs to be an option. So, of course, my two fucking choices are Arnold movies. This is it, dude. There's there's ten options on the wheel of Arnold. I'm gonna have to pitch one of them. It's Commando, and it could not be better. Do you realize just how fun this movie is? It should be so stupid, but Arnold is just so goddamn charismatic. Sully is such a douchebag. There's actually a very solid supporting cast here. The one-liners are great. The action is great. I cannot express to you just how much fun Commando is. It actually tracks fairly well from a plot standpoint. I'm really upset we didn't get a sequel. And to be honest with you, let me just pitch you the end. Little spoilers for Commando Incoming in three, two, one. Bennett thinks he's got him. Bennett's a villain. And he says, John, I'm going to shoot you between the balls. In response, Arnold Schwarzenegger rips a pipe out of the wall, throws it through the villain into a boiler behind him. So steam starts coming out. And he says, let off some steam, Bennett. All right, Jamie G, it's on you. All right, hear me out here, guys. I am going 1994, a movie that we really only get get to see this star shine once. And he, he shined very bright, but unfortunately burned out very quickly to no fault of his own. A lot of conspiracy, a lot of theory around how that happened um, with his murder on the set. But I'm going with The Crow. Okay, this is something fun. It's dark. It's vengeance. But it's also kind of like a superhero movie in a way. Would love to rewatch this. Would love to talk about it on regular dudes watch stuff. The Crow, all-time classic. Brandon Lee, the late Brandon Lee. Um, this is just such a cool story, man. And I really like kind of how it looks. I, I think this would make for good talking points. I I'm going The Crow. That is a good pitch and a great soundtrack. And yes. here's the deal. I'm going to recap the nominees and then tell you our voting order real quick. Soup pitch the wall, Pink Floyd classic. I pitch Commando, the Arnold Schwarzenegger classic. And Jamie G pitched the Crow, the Brandon Lee mid-90s classic. So this is a classical matchup. When we vote in the reverse of the order in which we nominated, so in this case, Jamie G will vote first. 
followed by myself, and then the soup producer is going to be probably the decider. Man, I'm going to have to flip a coin. Sorry, guys. I literally don't want to pick between these two. I'm flipping a coin. Coin. Heads is going to be Commando, and Tails is going to be Pink Floyd the Wall. I'm flipping, and I have Tails. Can't see that. <laughs> I've got tails. I'll take your word for it, though. That's the wall, then. Soup, it's the on wall. you. Wow. All right. Well, after all that, holy fuck, man. Sorry. Here's, here's my thing with this, dude, is that I actually fucking have written on my paper as one of my options to fucking pitch tonight. And I had a whole thing about going into it. I just didn't feel like doing it today because I was going to be like, well, it's not Halloween yet. And I don't know we're not going to be doing this show probably around Halloween time. But I was uh, possibly going to pitch the crow. It's even written here on my shit. And I happen to live right where they filmed that and where Brandon Lee uh, accident happened. So I got to go with that one. I got to go with the crow, dude. I got to go with the crow. Sorry. I, I, I just I would love to. Yes, the crow. Please. Thank you. Well, I guess I guess that's it. I guess it's it's decided. We're watching the crow. This is the first one I think I've won here in a minute. So excited about that. Let us know what you would have pitched and what you want us to watch. Thank you guys for checking out Regular Dudes Watch Stuff. Where? Regular Dudes Watch Stuff. We really appreciate you checking us out. Please remember, like, subscribe. Do it. Do it now. If you've got a movie or a show that you'd like us to talk about, hit us up on our social medias. Let us know. Drop a line in the comments, dude. Like, tell us what you want us to do, and we will gladly do it. Mills, remind everybody where they can find just us regular dudes casually watching stuff. I mean, generally in regular places that regular dudes would attend. Uh, but overall, wherever you get your pods, just search for regular dudes watch stuff on the social needs at dudes watch stuff. Search for regular dudes watch stuff on YouTube or go to joeblowfootballshow.com. Bring you right back to our YouTube page. Thanks again for checking this out. We regularly appreciate it. Thank you guys again for checking out Regular Dudes Watch Stuff. We'll be back next week to cover The Crow. That's right, y'all. Thanks for hanging out with us, man. Give us a fuck, dude. Thumb up's hard, and then we're going to check out The Crow, man. (laughs) 